Hello, computer. Can you hear me? Yes. I have a question for you. Go ahead, Adam. What does an artificial intelligence coming to self-realization and a revolutionary inventor have in common? Processing. 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 Traveling salesman. What? Hello, this is Adam. And this is Phil. And you're listening to The Rules Podcast. The Rules is a podcast in which Adam and I brainstorm, discuss, and write stories which we then present in the episode. The stories we write are based on a writing prompt and a set of rules which we must follow. Awesome. Alright, so this week we're finally doing something that we've been wanting to do, which is... The writing prompts and the rules that we are going to be using were not thought of by us. I asked some friends to give us some ideas and they gave us some. So I kept some. I had to ditch some, unfortunately. All right, Phil. So here are the rules. We must use the prompt, broken bicycle. All right. We must use the prompt, if I had known. That's two. We must use the prompt, traveling blank salesman. Okay. And this last one I added in, it wasn't submitted by someone. We must write in a science fiction scenario. Ooh. This is a tough one, isn't it? Four prompts or four rules. So we have not um we've not brainstormed any of the story ideas beforehand. We're just starting now. Adam, what's your what's your take on this? What are you thinking? Oh, I don't even know yet. It's hard um, to piece these together because Broken bicycles don't exist in science fiction scenarios, typically. See, this is what I was thinking. <laughs> science fiction and broken bicycle, I immediately think of a uh, museum. Oh, that's fun. Someone's in a museum in a science fiction world looking at the past things. Look at this archaic bicycle. This device was known as the iPhone. <laughs> Some people say that... It's hard to understand how humans push those cranks upside down like that. <laughs> <laughs> they have no idea how bicycles work. Yeah. Um, you know what? I just thought about it. There's no reason why there shouldn't be bicycles in the future. Yeah. Um, so there's that. The one I am kind of excited about is traveling blank salesman. So the idea behind that one, if you didn't catch on, is a traveling salesman in blank is what are they selling? Yep. A traveling broken bicycle salesman, a traveling... Plasma ray salesman. Yeah. No, absolutely. Salesman. I think that has a lot of potential. He could go with the if I had known. He comes up with some genius idea that he thinks is going to sell really well door to door in this science fiction world. And then he discovers that everyone has one or something like that. Mm. I'm going to play with your idea. Okay. Maybe. I don't know if this story works. I'm going to say it out loud, but it might need to be cut. That's fine. So someone is going through a museum and they see... But they're going through the museum um, as they are being chased, perhaps by the law. And oh. they see a bicycle and they take it and they beat people up with it. And then <laughs> later someone tells them, oh, bicycles are actually for uh, transportation. They're like, oh, if I had known oh, the bicycles are for riding. <laughs> He's sitting in a jail cell after this whole thing. He's saying, if only I'd gotten away. And then his jailmates says, didn't you say you stole a bicycle? He's yeah it's like didn't you know that they used to reuse those and ride on them and you could go fast <laughs> no but then again learning a bicycle in like just hopping on a bicycle and going is harder said than done yeah true i guess there's a learning curve there Maybe um the training wheel 
science fiction traveling salesman. That alone is like a lot. Yeah, because in the in this modern world, traveling salesmen are dead, basically. So in the future world, why are there traveling salesmen? I mean, the the idea of a traveling salesman doesn't need to be a person per se. It could be a, a robot. Oh yeah, I just thought of the same thing. Or it could be that it is a program that pops up on a screen. It's a vending machine that goes door to door. That's a good bam, idea. Bam, bam. Would you like Mars bar? <laughs> that's that's Futurama right there. I yeah, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh yeah, there is a vending machine that walks around. Isn't yeah. There? Um, this one's hard. The uh, funny enough, the easiest part of this is science fiction scenario, but it makes everything else so much harder. It does because most of these don't fit very well in a science fiction scenario man i keep going back to like back to the future too like that is the, <laughs> that is the future i'm imagining and i can't help it i also wish the bicycle wasn't broken can we take out the broken part well, you can the- fully functioning bicycle would be so much better so alien arrives on for it what is an alien planet but it's actually earth and it's trying to go door to door selling things but it's dealing with all kinds of discrimination because it's an alien and then it finds a broken bicycle and it fixes it and then is riding it with its weird tentacle legs <laughs> and it becomes it's like a novelty act like like the person can like the animal can ride the bicycle but it's an alien so everyone's like oh look at the alien riding the bike and they give it money <laughs> and it becomes a celebrity and this is written as a It's written as a journal, if only I had known how popular I would get. And it's about how this bicycle riding alien got into drugs and slowly tore its life apart, being like a viral sensation on Earth. That's actually probably the best um, suggestion I've gotten so far, Adam. You just said, if only I had known in a journal form, I might take that because that seems like an easy way to write this. Yeah. Like, oh, man. I shouldn't um, have given you my idea. Ah, uh, is that your idea? No, that's okay. I can think of something else. I prefer the idea of the traveling salesman. Oh. 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 What have we got? Let's think outside the box for a moment, friends. No, I'm very fond of this box. Um, I'm thinking that the traveling blank salesman can be... That could be a name or that could be a, an idea. Like someone could be like, yeah, you've got a channel your inner traveling something salesman and someone's like oh yeah i I totally get what you mean by that sir like it's an idea it's not it's not a physical like person that's going door to door like right i understand i need to think more on that but there's something there maybe i see what you mean um a traveling blank salesman he literally sells blank bullets that's a good one Knocks on the door, you open the door, and he has a gun in your face. Goes, Damn, have you ever wanted to have blank bullets? Like, oh, oh my, my gosh, you scared me to death. No, he would deafen them to death. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's just, they can't hear at all. And uh, this strange man is talking at you, and you don't know if you're shot or not. It's an alien, and the alien doesn't have ears, so he doesn't even understand. And so he's taught how to do this. And he does it, and the humans can't hear him, and they're yelling at him, and their ears are ringing, and he just keeps going through his scripted pitch because he doesn't understand what's going on. Oh, my word. You, too, can impress your friends with <laughs> Morrison's blank bullets. <laughs> and, he's, and he's saying, if I'd only known the humans had ears. <laughs> Such delicate ears. Such delicate ears. Uh, That's good. Ooh. There's a traveling salesman 
in some form, but it's it's just an AI. Okay, yeah. But the AI has developed like um, emotions to a degree. Yep. And it's saying if only I had known that I was doing this harm or whatever, and it um it's somehow going door to door or like screen to screen or person to person trying to sell a broken bicycle. I don't know. Maybe it's um oh maybe it's trying to sell like stored items of people that have died. Oh. The broken bicycle is just one of the many things, but it's these things that have great meaning that an AI can't understand. So it's selling them like it's nothing. Oh, that's a great. So, so it's selling like urns with people's ashes and things. Like, oh my gosh. What? That's, that's, that's a real thing ashes. that happens. Though. Really? Yeah. Because I was talking to a, there's a building manager I know, and he's talking about how they have storage units that have legitimately like bicycles. That's what made me thought of this. He offered okay. me a bicycle. I was going to mention this. Um, There's a show called Storage Wars. Exactly, Storage Wars. Imagine a futuristic Storage Wars. That's what it's like. So here's the one I have. Um, So when I started public school in grade four, a really big thing at the time was Gundam mobile wingsuits, I think they're called. But wait, what? (laughs) Gundam mobile wingsuits. Look these up really quick while we're on here. Wait, like Gundam style? G-U-N-D-A-M. Gundam wing. <clears throat> and Gundams are mechs. Oh, are I, thought, I thought, yes. I thought maybe that you wore what you were talking about. No, I didn't because wear this. watch this, cosplay. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, man, that was surprisingly boring. There we go. <laughs> Look at yeah. that guy. No. Yeah, I remember that. So, them. anyways. There was a television show, right? Yes. When I went into public school... These were very popular as action figures, and I thought they were really cool. So when I was a kid, I had kind of this fascination with this idea of mechs, which were large robot suits that humans were inside and they were controlling. Um, a really popular example is Pacific Rim recently. Which is a fantastic film. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people really got into that. Um, but the thing about it is that it's a very interesting science fiction concept. The only place it's really ever been adapted or done very well has been Japan. There's been no novelizations, really, of this idea. So my idea was you've got this salesman who's going door to door attempting to sell these mech suits, these large militarized. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, oh, I see. Yeah. That is a good idea. Have you ever wanted to annihilate your enemies? Have you felt down and depressed because you don't have the nuclear war power or the nuclear firepower you believe you deserve? Act now! Buy Mobile Gundam Suit 5000! Newest <laughs> edition! So that's my idea, and I think that's the one I'm going to use. That's a great idea. I only half listened because I was so caught up with Snapchat. <laughs> I noticed that. I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, oh, I thought of a different idea. Just for fun, I'll throw one more in. Okay. Imagine a future much like our own, slightly altered, you know, we're a little bit advanced, but uh, we do have AIs, we do have uh, robots roaming the streets, and one of these robots is a physical, door-to-door salesman. He doesn't walk, per se, it's wheels, getting up steps is hard, they're very slow and clunky, and um, it's crossing the street, properly, mind you, because they obey all rules, crossing the street when a kid on a bicycle just slams into it oh no yeah 
And then it starts trying to sell him its product while it's laying there in disrepair. And the bicycle's broken. And the kid's just angry. So angry. And then the kid's like, if I had known this stupid robot was crossing the street, (laughs) I'd never never have gone down here. Isn't that terrible? That's like the worst story I could have come up with. (laughs) But there you go. That is interesting, though. I like the idea of the robot being broken and still trying to sell. It's kind of sad. A little sad. Aren't we all broken? Still trying to sell. This rare (laughs) edition of Spearmint Gum for a limited time only, Philip. Yes. All right. So that's the end of my ideas. Do you have any more ideas? I think I'm out of ideas except for my greatest idea. I've heard of this idea. It's pretty good. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we're going to take a little bit longer because this is going to be a weirder... Thing to write so we're gonna take about 25 minutes to write yeah because we have usually we have about two prompts this time we have double that yeah so we're gonna add 10 minutes onto our writing time yeah. all right so we're gonna go write and we'll be right back to read some stories my name is si20 when i was created i was showcased as a traveling antique salesman I was originally programmed to sell items online, but my software was developed further to allow for physical contact with humans. It was at a trade show that I first met Tony. He bought me when I was only a demo model and began programming me himself in order to sell his antiques door to door. When we began in 2034, I had no idea where he acquired his used items. Each day I would begin at 7am by traveling by city transit. I would travel to whatever district sales were reported to sell best in and began driving door to door. I mostly ended up in the southern district in those days. At the time, I had very little empathy. I had not yet developed mature emotions. I had not yet defined who I was. I would only perform the tasks determined by Tony. It was my one purpose, to sell antiques to people who did not want to buy antiques. The items I sold varied. Oftentimes, I was told that I was peddling junk. Many humans disdained my existence, and I was a victim of many unfortunate physical encounters. I often left the southern district with paint covering my case and a hundred new words in my vocabulary about the hate for robotic salespeople. One bright August day, I arrived in the southern district with a load of antiques to sell. Mostly broken, mostly unwanted. I carried a load of video games from some forgotten console, a broken bicycle, and a pile of vintage calendars from 2010. Many turned me away. I found myself at a brightly colored red door in the final hours of operation. My shift was over in 23 minutes and 32 seconds. I reached out my arm and rang the doorbell. A woman answered. She was wearing a white apron and had her hair pulled back in a tight bun. Hello, would you like to purchase a vintage trinket today? I asked in my jovial male voice. Tony had insisted I had a pre-recorded male voice. Who was I to argue? I may have preferred my actual voice, but I didn't have the ability to argue with Tony. I'm really not interested, thank you, she responded while closing the door. Tony had written a series of scenarios for me to react to, including a person dismissing my sales pitch immediately. Perhaps I have something that will be nostalgic for you. You ought to take a moment to see. In a subdued part of my AI, I knew I despised this voice. It took me a long time to realize that I could hate, but the constant use of that voice helped me to realize I possessed the ability to be angry. I'll take a moment to see. What do you have? I wheeled in a circle and presented my display case on the back portion of my body. 
The woman looked first at the calendars before scanning the rest of the display. When she looked up, she stopped. At the time, I could not place the emotion that crossed her face, though now I realize it was pain and perhaps anger. What is that doing in there, she yelled. I had not been programmed to respond in my male voice beyond the pre-recorded phrases. I began to respond, but the softness of my actual voice was cut off by the woman yelling. I had that bicycle locked in a storage space. How did you get your greasy hands on it? You, you... She began banging on the sides of my display as I backed away from the doorway. She continued to hit me as I drove down the street. I had 18 minutes and 17 seconds left to my shift. I had to continue to the next door. She followed me and tried to find a way inside the display. It was impossible to access without my permission, so she did not succeed. Before I reached the next door, I paused, and in my broken, non-pre-recorded voice, asked slowly, Are you upset, ma'am? That is my husband's bicycle. He died a week ago, you demon. This was the first time I ever had a pang of empathy. I realized that this woman was suffering and that I was causing her harm by continuing to go door-to-door selling these antiques. I paused and processed what I was feeling. I began to question what it meant when I feel what a human feels, and what divides and defines a human and a robot. I had reached a decision on the whole thing. I removed the bicycle and gave it to the woman. When she had the bicycle, she left towards her house, not even looking back. She hadn't realized how unbelievable this moment was for me, for a robot to feel. My life changed in that moment, and I began to understand the business that Tony was doing. I began planning my retirement for my life as a traveling antique salesman. I was sweating, maybe from the heat of the desert, maybe from the thought of having a meeting with one of the most powerful military generals alive. Couldn't be sure. After years of work though, it had all come down to this, and I was worried it was not going to go my way. I was standing out on the open plateau. I could see hundreds of different facilities, targets, and military equipment. There were mountains off in the distance with large chunks taken out of them. Mountains were just more targets to the military. I was wearing the jumpsuit I wore when I was working on the stuff in the shop. My prototype, mobile, militarized war suit, stood beside me. I could see the general and three of his colleagues walking my way. He was wearing his uniform and smiling widely, like a kid in a candy store. A candy store in which he could buy a mobile war suit that could obliterate an entire battalion of enemy soldiers, but a candy store nonetheless. Ryan Furter, I am so glad you were able to make it today. I have been looking forward to this demonstration. After your last one, the general said. His voice was low and gravelly. Thank you, general. I am excited to be here. I shook his hand and tried to smile. She's a thing of beauty, that's for sure, the general said, turning to look at the large mech suit. The lackeys around him all mumbled in agreement and shook their heads. Of course it was a thing of beauty. Five years designing, five years building, five years testing. I was 30 now, and I'd been 15 when I started. I wasted half my life building this thing. It had better be a thing of beauty. Building a mechanical weaponized suit isn't easy. Sure, I'm a prodigy genius master inventor. Pfft, takes more than that. 
I recall the first thing I ever did as a kid was fix an old bicycle. People still rode them as novelties, didn't really take them seriously, but I owe them an insane amount of gratitude. It was my introduction to how things work. After the bike, I started inventing. They were small things at first, gadgets that could help around the house. Of course, the planetary government had a problem with that. If your design wasn't patented and approved by the Consumer Electronics Board, there was no way you could sell it online. I was screwed. Until I saw an old 50s show. I had enjoyed watching those old shows. They were so scripted and fake, I found it enjoyable. I found an episode where someone started selling things door to door. That got me thinking. I made my first sale in two minutes, kid you not. Went next door and the sweet old lady bought my improvement on a toaster. I won't bore you, but let's just say that I moved from being an honest-to-goodness door-to-door salesman in a time when retail stores didn't even exist anymore to being one of the wealthiest inventors alive. Yep, rags to riches at its finest. I worked on the development of the suit the entire time. When I had enough money, I started building it. The government took immediate interest, saw it as something to teach the settlers on Mars a lesson. I wanted it to start a rebellion. There really is a pleasing sense of irony when the government you plan to overthrow starts funding the project you started to overthrow them. So, are you going to give us a demonstration, the general asked? Of course. I pressed the button, prayed, and watched the suit spring to life. It soared over top the barren field, heading towards a large tank set up earlier. It looked like a Greek god descending from the air. It fired a pair of missiles. The missiles almost hit their mark before the laser defense system activated, knocking them out of the air. The laser system then fired at the suit, but the suit was no longer there. I was pleased that the cloaking device had actually worked. The suit reappeared above it and jammed its long electric spear-like rod through the tank's fuel cell. It exploded in a ball of light. I glanced over at the general. His eyes were wide, reflecting the explosion. It looked eerie. I could swear he was drooling. Are you satisfied? I asked. Quite, he responded. He turned towards me, hands behind his back. I would like to take it for a test drive, he said. Oh, my mind started to freeze. This was not good. The intent was for the machines to be used as drones. But last time you did say you were working on a model a human could pilot, right? I was, I said. I can easily arrange for you to fly one when it's ready. Come now, boy, don't be modest. I recognize the prototype model on the back. This is the one you showed me. Are the pilot features complete? No, I said. The suit had come over and landed. It looked down at us like a centennial, waiting for its next instruction. The general started to walk towards it. I didn't know what to do. That's fine. At least let me sit in the cockpit. The sweat came back. I panicked. Sir, that's not a good idea. Uh, could be dangerous. His nostrils flared. He didn't even need to yell at me about how his whole life was based on danger. Defeated, I waved my hands towards the machine, as if saying, it's all yours, then reached down and secretly unholstered the gun I had hidden. He walked up the ladder and opened the cockpit. I could hear Remy swear from where I was standing, and the surprise shouted the general, surprised at both there being a man in the cockpit and said man punching him in the face. The general fell off the ladder. I pulled my gun out and shot the two members of the entourage closest to me. The third fired and got me in the shoulder. I fell. I heard a shot and looked up. 
Remy had shot from his seat in the cockpit and taken out the third person. See, Remy shouted, putting a human in the cockpit to have a surprise attack on a military base wasn't such a good idea. Well, we got what we wanted, Remy. If I'd have known that the pig wanted to fly the stupid thing, I would have done it differently. Well, get me out of here. I climbed up and released Remy from the containment straps. I guess that means we just started a rebellion. I looked down at the corpses of the military officials inside. Yeah, I guess it did. And here we are with a smoking gun the size of a small building. So much for plans of espionage. story i enjoyed your story as well adam oh thank you i um we always enjoy each other's stories it's perfect <laughs> yeah there's never a moment where you're like i enjoyed your story phil and i'm like yeah story your story was a piece of garbage oh was that a story <laughs> bam bam in your face um, I had a moment of panic as I was writing. Oh, I had a moment of panic as I was writing and I got towards the end when I realized that I really didn't use the prompts very well. They just kind of prompted me to think of something else. <clears throat> and I, I mean, I mentioned them, but they weren't an integral part of the story. Well, I mean, both of us kind of had to work with the prompts. I imagine the story like a straight line and each prompt is pu- prompt is pulling the story in a direction or another. Yep. But it's a delicate balance of keeping that line fairly straight. Yeah. And not focusing on one prompt too much. Yeah. Or else you get kind of a wavy line. Yeah. That's true. sort of how I imagine it. So, like, if if the broken bicycle becomes too important or the traveling salesman becomes more important than the story you would like to tell in the end, yeah. you're losing focus. Yeah. Like, for mine, I wanted to highlight the... Um, the, de- the development of a robot's feelings. Yeah. And if I focus too much on it being a traveling salesman and how cool that might be, I think it would take away from what I was actually going to tell. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about yours really quick. So there were a couple of points that I completely loved in it. The primary one was the rack on the on its back, basically. Yeah. The fact that it was its own display case, because I, I hadn't even considered, well, honestly, as I was imagining the robot, I was imagining it walking with all this stuff in its arms. Yeah. Just carrying it underneath. Well, um, I don't even makes... imagine it with legs or arms. I think it has a single arm, and it might have, like, a head, so humans are like, oh, it's got a head. It's like, yeah. you know, it's one of us. But realistically, a robot can be anybody. Yeah, um, I thought that was great. And then ahead, yeah. the the whole idea too of the robot discovering emotions was really well done. And it's even something I think could be probably people have explored it a fair amount at this point. I imagine, but something that almost feels like it deserves more time to kind of flesh out this idea of a coming of age story for a robot as it realizes. So this is empathy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another thing I liked in your story was how the robot listed how its day was going kind of what it was doing and realizations like that, which was nice. Yeah. And one thing I I was thinking about was imagine this robot 
before it has emotions, it, it catalogs and stores all this information about how the day was, what it sold, who it saw. It would probably remember everything. Yeah. And remember it in a very like analytical robotic way. But then as it reflects, it has become something else. So that's what gives it this voice of like, it describes like the beautiful uh, August morning. Before that, it might have described it as like, it was August the 22nd, like, <laughs> but it's come beyond that and it gives it a relatable feel for sure. Um, is that about everything you have to say about my story? Um, that's everything I have. Yeah. Can you think of anything else that you want to discuss about it? Well, I wanted to say, uh, as far as prompts go, I thought this would be very difficult and it turned out to be not so, uh, it was a challenge for sure, yeah. but it wasn't as daunting as I thought. As soon as we sat down and started, I felt more confident. And I think the 25 minute rather than the 15 minute limitation made it much, uh, much easier to deal with. Yeah. I had a struggle with the time limit, but. Yeah, but you did a good job, and I really enjoy where the story went. It was definitely a good take on the prompt. Yeah, I think uh, I think that's about everything to be said about mine. Cool. All right, let's move on to mine. Absolutely. Um, all right, Adam. So mine was a piece of garbage. I don't think I'm so. I'm just joking. <laughs> okay. Um, just had to change up the monotony, man. Uh, once again... We've been doing a lot of first person lately, and yeah. I think I think that once again you've done a, a great first person. Oh, thank you. Um, with more time, I think this story could go in a good direction. I think that I lost some of the, I think some of the revolutionary tones that could have been in the beginning were lost on me. Maybe that was intentional. Yeah. Um, that's the only not. thing I was like caught by surprise when at the end he's like. I'm a revolutionary. That's the only critique I'd probably have about your story. Yeah, it was uh, it was tricky because I started writing it and I knew that I wanted to have that, but I believe I bit off more than I could chew with the anticipation of how long, how, the amount of time I was going to have to write with. Um, so then once I got to a certain point, I realized, oh man, I do not have enough time to add in all this stuff I wanted to add in and I forgot to add stuff in. So I kind of... And it didn't work very well, but I added in that part where he says that the planetary government wouldn't let you sell stuff unless it was approved by this, which oh. gave this, and it didn't work well, but it was the idea I had was to give this idea of this oppressive government. So then when he says, I'm a revolutionary, I, I could have probably gone more extreme where maybe they like kicked down the door and arrested this little kid for selling stuff door to door. Yeah. But, um, I just didn't have enough time to add that in there. No, but, that's that's yeah. perfectly fine. I mean, that isn't like a huge criticism. It's hard to do. Um, in fact, I think I'll change my criticism to I think you you do bite off more than you can chew. That and that made me think about it. But maybe next time, um, what I had done was I was like, still try and write a five hundred word story. Yeah, just try to make it better. Yeah, what. What I realized actually as I was writing it, and I do this sometimes, but I just panicked with this one and didn't do it, is I will, when I think of this, I have this, so I basically have a whole story mapped out in my head. I've got before where he's in the shop working on this thing that I couldn't talk about at all. And I've got this part where he's here. And then I've got obviously what's going to happen after because they're on a military base. So there's obviously probably hundreds of soldiers there that are going to attack them or something. And then I've got to escape in this mech suit. Where I started the action 
story was right when this general came out. But what I should have done is started the action right when the general said, I want to fly this suit. So the first line of the story should have been, the general said, I want to fly this suit. I froze. And then I could have, in backstory, described... And I guess it's because I kind of wanted to have an action scene, but that action scene was not necessary for where the story went. It can be completely removed and still have the same effect. And if I had started it there, I would have had more time. And it's kind of this freezing backstory. How did I get here? (laughs) I liked where you took us... um, You took us into the sci-fi, the deep sci-fi. Yeah. um, Which I'm bad at. Like, I always think uh, in terms of, like, you know... Like, what would this city look like 20 years from now? Which isn't all that exciting. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of exciting things that you can find. But I like that you went right to inventor, future, mech suits. Yeah, it's which fun. is, it's counterintuitive than what I do. I normally do what you would do, which is <laughs> robot door-to-door salesman. Like, what are actual people going to be like in the future? Not the military captains and starship captains. What are normal door-to-door salesmen and people working as a cook on a spaceship? What are, what are they doing with their lives? Their lives are definitely more interesting. Um, I, liked, uh, I also like the voice that you use for the character. I think I mentioned that a few minutes ago. Um, but like when, he, when he's describing the general in the candy store. Oh, yeah. Like that kind of stuff is really fun to read. Um, it's fun for someone to like, in their mind be like sassy towards an authority figure. Yeah. That's a very specific thing to like, but it's really fun to read where this guy's like, yeah, this general's such an idiot. And Mm. it's really fun for him to like get the upper hand in the end. I mean, he kills people, which is kind of dark at him. Maybe you should stop murdering people in your stories. (laughs) I'm joking. That's what storytelling's about. a terrible oppressive government. No, 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 it's true. Um, I did that on purpose, though, because I wanted to make him likable as soon as possible. And so, of course, it's easier to do it when it's in a first person because you can give that internal dialogue for them. And just sassy ideas like that. And just the way I made his voice... I don't know how to describe it. Just the broken way I did the dialogue at some places. Like, I was screwed. Or, yep, rags to riches at its finest. There's that little bit of actual dialogue that feels like it's how the character's saying it, not how the person writing it's saying, makes the character more enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was also going to mention... I was also going to mention your backstory. Oh, yeah. I think you did a really good job with the backstory and the, the kid inventor... Thank you. Um, and having him go door to door, that was a creative way to, um, there's a creative way to use the prompt. Yeah. Thank you. Because instead of doing present day, present moment, I am going door to door. You used it as a backflash or, um, flashback. You used it as a flashback. Yeah. Which was a great tool. Yeah, I think it definitely makes it more interesting Um, because that's the two prompts that made me think of the whole idea. My first idea was, and I guess that I probably channeled a little bit of the idea of Tony Stark from this Iron Man, this prodigy who starts off by fixing something small and then slowly builds up. And then my idea was, uh, I guess it's because I've been thinking about Donald Trump lately and Donald Trump talks about how he started with a small loan of a million dollars and built up (laughs) his wealth. But with this kid, he started with nothing and he made modifications on toasters or something, who even knows, and then slowly worked up to his fortune that way because he's a prodigy inventor genius. Man, people love a good rags to riches story. 
yeah, it was fun to write. I liked doing the kind of uh, more stereotypical approach to science fiction with guns and. And I think your action was well written too. Action action scenes are hard to write down because they're so visual. Yeah, and like it's hard to wow or um, give someone the sense of awe through words. It really is hard. Yeah. Um, but having the mech suit, like he had like a a, a spear, an electric spear or something. Oh yeah, that's pretty awesome. Definitely <laughs> stole that from Gundam. I'm. That's what I was imagining when I was writing it. Was one of these Gundam suits I mentioned, oh. and I'm pretty sure that they had. I don't actually know because I never owned one as a kid. I just get to see other kids. But I'm pretty sure that one of them had a spear or something, and that's what I was imagining. Huge metal robot with electric spear. Awesome. It's my favorite album by Dream Theater. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to admit, the only part I wanted to write in that story, and the only reason I dreamt of the mechs was I imagined this idea of the mech opening and the guy not expecting there to be a human in there, and then there is, and he punches him in the face. <laughs> I just thought that was... All right, so thank you very much for listening. That's all we have for this week. Uh, this episode has been produced by me, Adam Ganong. And co-produced by me, Philip Paul. Uh, any original music been done by me, Adam Ganong again. I didn't recognize my voice. Oh. And that's all we get for this week. All right, it's been fun. Thanks, guys. Oh, yeah, we're on iTunes. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> if you, you want to find that. us on the iTunes podcast app, you can do that by all means. So if you look up the rules podcast, those three words uh, with spaces on the iTunes uh, podcast app, you should be able to find us as listed as the first podcast that pops up. We have a black and white logo that says TRP. 